The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So the instructions in mindfulness, the instructions in the Satipatthana, encourage us to notice what's in the present moment with interest and curiosity, just experience as experience over and over again in, in the refrain and in the throughout the teachings the Buddha says one understands or one experiences the body as a body, feelings as feelings, mind states as mind states. When knowing a pleasant feeling, one understands it's a pleasant feeling. When the mind is aversive, one knows it's aversive. It's just so simple. Just experience as experience in the present moment. And initially, when we begin our practice, we're we're kind of either aiming our attention to something that's easy, like the breath, and also noticing the mind get pulled to other things that become obvious. A sound happens or a painful sensation in the body and the attention gets drawn to that. And we begin to explore, can I be with that too? Or we just receive experience, whatever's obvious in the moment. Kind of attending to what the attention is drawn to naturally rather than choosing where the attention is drawn. And in, in the early part of our practice, often what the attention is drawn to or where we direct the attention is pretty obvious experience, physical bodily experience, obvious emotions or moods, often reactive emotions or moods, sounds happening. So it's this um, a process of getting to know our bodies and minds, but from a new perspective, not from our usual perspective of wanting to fix or change or get something or have something, but more the curiosity of what's it like to be a human being? What's the experience in this body at this moment as this human being? A non-judgmental, non-reactive kind of mindfulness is what we're cultivating. I often have talked about this capacity for mindfulness as being a natural human capacity, the capacity to know what's happening in the present moment as what's happening in the, you know, as something happening in the present moment, this self-reflective capacity. It's a natural capacity of our minds to be aware of what's happening in the present moment. But usually or often that capacity is aimed at or directed at or the motivation for it is to increase pleasantness in my life, to decrease unpleasantness in my life, to get something that I want. And so the, the, the mindfulness itself, this capacity to be aware, is kind of a neutral capacity. And the instructions in the Satipatthana are pointing us to a, a, a different way that capacity can be cultivated. This curiosity of what is it like to have aversion arising? As opposed to, there's a version arising, I don't like that thing, that means I need to get rid of it. Very different. Very different experience. 
So we cultivate a getting to know our bodies and mind in, in this different way. We, we begin to strengthen this capacity to be non-reactive, non-judgmental about what's happening. And as we do that, as we get to know, for instance, get to know aversion as aversion, get to know desire as desire, get to know sound as sound and body sensations as body sensations, what happens is there starts to be a transformation in the mind. The, the mind begins to um, understand something about how aversion works, how greed works, what it's like when there's not aversion in the mind and how that's a different experience in the mind kind of can be drawn more to that side of experience, letting go of those things that create stress and suffering. It's a beautiful beautiful um, natural result of this kind of attention that our um, reactive states tend to diminish when we attend to them in this way. And so what happens as we practice and cultivate this non-reactive kind of mindfulness, we begin to experience less reactivity, more ease, more peace, more settledness, more balance of mind, And this is delightful. These qualities of mind feel good. They're pleasant. And we can often kind of just think we've arrived. It's like, oh, this is, this feels good. And, you know, this practice of non-judgmental mindfulness, boy, this is, this is what, this is what I'm supposed to, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so we might just kind of land there in those states and um, kind of think we've arrived or something. The teachings in the Satipatthana, we've, we've kind of gone through a number of the teachings in the fourth foundation um, and uh, a set of instructions in the fourth foundations encourages us to become aware of these very beautiful qualities of mind, this ease, this subtleness, this peace, this balance of mind encourages us to become aware of that too as experience in the present moment. Again, rather than, oh, it's peaceful. I've arrived. I figured it out. It's like, oh, there's peacefulness. What's this like? What's this experience as a human experience? So these states of mind, they are cultivated quite naturally. They begin to happen quite naturally as we practice. Initially, as we pay attention, we're exploring a lot of the reactivity, we're exploring body sensations that are obvious, and these qualities that are being cultivated of mindfulness, of interest, of investigation, of energy, a kind of a, a motivation to practice, of delight and joy in being present, of a calmness of mind a settledness, a concentration, and a balance of mind. These qualities begin to uh, happen as we cultivate this simple kind of, can I be aware of this as experience? But we're often not so aware of that, those states cultivated, being cultivated at the beginning of our practice. Because the other things that, 
pains in the body, the reactivity is much more obvious. It's much bigger in our minds. And yet all along as we're practicing in this way, this capacity the, the, for awareness, um, all along these states are being nourished, the states of the seven factors of awakening. And I just named them, but I named them in a kind of a different way. So I'll go through them again more clearly. Mindfulness. Investigation. Energy. Joy. Tranquility. Concentration and equanimity. So these states too, they are cultivated, they are conditioned. As we practice this kind of mindfulness, that is a condition for their strengthening. So these two are conditioned states of mind. They are impermanent. And they are unreliable as a place to land as I've arrived. They don't just stay, you know, we can, we can hang on to them for a while and the mind can kind of absorb into them for a while. And that can be quite delightful. You know, the, the place or the state of that kind of concentration where the mind absorbs in and just lands there for a while. But when that kind that concentration has a life, it has conditions, it will end, those states will end and other things will arise. And this is what the Buddha noticed in his own practice. He practiced deep, deep states of concentration where these qualities of mind got very um, strong. And yet the, the instruction was to absorb in and hold on to those states. And that can be useful. It is not necessarily that we shouldn't do that at times to cultivate that capacity for stable attention by turning and directing attention to something and absorbing into it and having these qualities then last for a while. And yet what the Buddha noticed is after a while, everything falls apart. And it's kind of like he said to his teachers, you know, yeah, there's still suffering. There's still things arising and passing. There's, you know, there's still, this is not the answer to the question I have. Is it possible for human beings to be free of suffering? Not is it possible for human beings to enter into states where suffering isn't experienced for a little while, but is it possible to be free of suffering? And so he began to explore what does it mean to be aware of that too? of the concentration, of the joy, of the rapture, of the tranquility, of all of these beautiful states that come along, that are cultivated as we practice mindfulness. And so we are encouraged to also be mindful of what happens to us as we practice meditation. Not just to be aware of, of, um, you know, the external experiences or, or even, you know, the 
the mind's um, um, kind of uh, reactivity or things like that. But but as we p- practice in this way, what uh, what happens? What what is cultivated? So these states of or these qualities of um, the seven factors are not worth clinging to, but they are worth cultivating. They are wholesome qualities of mind that support the move, the mind's movement in the direction of ease and peace. And one of the great things about the way we're encouraged to practice with them. So mindfulness, we're encouraged to be mindful. Be mindful that you are mindful in this way. So uh, this is a piece. Um, I'll talk about each of the the factors a little bit. And we'll just see how far we get. You know, I'm not going to try to go through all seven of them in the next, you know, half hour. (laughs) Um, We'll just go a little bit each time and see how far we get. Um, But, you know, these are... These qualities or states of mind, what we are encouraged to pay attention to, are as factors of awakening. So that's their name. There's the mindfulness factor of awakening. There's the investigation factor of awakening. And so this is a particular kind of mindfulness, a particular kind of investigation. It's not just, you know, is there awareness in the present moment? But is the is there the kind of awareness that is onward leading towards freedom present in the present moment? Is the is this kind of non-reactive, non-judgmental mindfulness here? And so, you know, we are encouraged to be aware of mindfulness itself. Aware of investigation itself. Again, as an enlightenment factor, and we'll, we'll talk about each one. Um, but as we explore being mindful in the way that we're encouraged to do so, what is mindfulness like? What is it like to have energy in the, the system? Energy directed towards the practice, that kind of inspired movement to want to practice what is that like the mindfulness of those experiences of those states will strengthen them that is probably the most um, potent way that these states are cultivated is by being aware of them. There are other ways to cultivate them by, you know, aiming or directing the attention towards um, uh, things that might incline the mind to feel rapture or joy, for instance, bringing bringing, um, things into the mind that might incline it in that direction. So there are ways to actively cultivate these seven factors as well. But I think one of the strongest or most powerful is mindfulness itself. And that's what the encouragement is in the Satipatthana for these factors of awakening, to be mindful of them. And to be mindful of them, uh, you know, it, it offers four 
kinds of things or explorations, or we could say questions or investigations about each factor. We're encouraged to recognize this is, this is what it's like when it's present. One is aware when mindfulness is present, one is aware that mindfulness is present. When when the mindfulness factor of, an, of enlightenment is present, one is aware the mindfulness factor of enlightenment is present. When, and we're then encouraged to notice its absence. When the mind, mindfulness factor of enlightenment is not present, one understands it's not present. Now that one may sound contradictory, right? Because how can we be aware of mindfulness when it's not present. But that I think is pointing, what it's pointing to is our capacity for awareness to know something like that, that, that the way mindfulness strengthens and develops as we start from our ordinary everyday capacity to know what's happening in the present moment which probably has its agendas to it. You know, it's got its, its wantings and its not wantings. And so we start there and then we notice, oh, this is mindfulness with an agenda. We can know that. We can know this is mindfulness that wants something. And that, we can, we can recognize, okay, well, there, there is mindfulness here, but there's mindfulness with this agenda. So just noticing that, we see, oh, okay, that's, that there is the, there is, a, there is mindfulness, but it's not the enlightenment factor of mindfulness yet. But we can't just flip a switch to get there, right? We can't just flip a switch and say, I'm going to have the enlightenment factor of mindfulness. It's an iterative, it's a progressive process of understanding and recognizing, oh, there's mindfulness and there's this agenda in the mind that wants to do something, that wants to get rid of something, that wants to have something, that thinks something needs to happen, that has a view about what has to happen. This can be very subtle. And so it's like at first, at first we might notice some obvious ones, like there's a pain in the knee and there's a tension to the pain in the knee. And there's a like, yeah, I know that pain in the knee and I really want it to go away. And, and so that, and then we begin to feel the shift between what it is like. First, we, we, we notice, okay, there's the pain in the knee and we are just caught in like aversion to it. And then we become aware, oh, there's a pain in the knee and there's aversion. And that, that experience begins to kind of step us back a little bit. And we recognize, oh, it's a little bit easier to know there's aversion than not to know there's aversion. So that, that's, a, that's a movement in the direction of the enlightenment factor of mindfulness. It's, it's a recognition of, oh, what's happening is there's the pain and the aversion. That's what's going on right now. And that begins to help the mind to understand what it's like to 
know that non-reactive capacity because we at that point are not reactive to the aversion. We may still have the reaction to the pain, but it's like, oh, okay, there's the reaction. The, the, there's not a, there's not the kind of absorption into the aversion. We're not driven by the aversion. We can know, oh, there's aversion happening right now. And so there is a, a that more, that non-reactive quality of awareness is holding. Oh, that's what's happening right now. So we know that. And that's moving us towards the enlightenment factor of mindfulness, that non-reactive, non-judgmental awareness of mindfulness as it's happening. So the, uh, and then what will, what often can happen after that is with knowing the aversion is there, there's the pain, there's the aversion then we might begin to see a strengthening and awakening of the aversion and what happens. So we begin to understand how the aversion conditions the experience as a whole, how much more painful it is when the aversion is strong, how the aversion, when it weakens, when it goes away, even perhaps we experience, oh, there's just pain in the knee and it's not a problem. It's just an experience. And we can then perhaps understand without aversion is there something that needs to happen is there is there you know is this dangerous kind of pain or is this the mind blowing this out of proportion so it's not it's not necessarily the case that without the aversion we wouldn't move or we wouldn't adjust the body to deal with the pain but it's happening from a different perspective and so we we begin to experience perhaps the, the the mind that can just be with yeah there's unpleasant experience in the body and there's no reactivity to it at all kind of another step in the direction of wise mindfulness of the enlightenment factor of mindfulness So we're encouraged in the Satipatthana, not only with mindfulness, but with all of the seven factors, to get to know what they are like. The presence and absence. What's it like when it's there and what's it like when it's not there? It's a little easier to talk about the presence and absence of the other, recognizing or being mindful of the presence and absence of the other six factors of awakening. Because with mindfulness there, it can see, oh, this is what it's like when there's interest in, 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 in you know, an interest in investigation, a kind of a sense of, of that energy moving towards the practice or not moving towards the practice. We can be aware of, oh, there's, there's not wanting to practice happening right now. There's not that sense of energy towards the practice happening right now. Or there is that sense of energy towards the practice happening right now. We can know that. And in this, in this teaching, again, it's, there's the encouragement just to know, is it present or is it absent? It's not telling us it's bad that it's absent. It's, it's, there's the encouragement that, again, with this kind of mindfulness, the mind begins to understand the benefits of the presence of these states of mind and the 
uh, stress and suffering and struggle that happens when these states are absent. And the very natural movement of our system, essentially, towards more ease and peace. I mean, we're fortunate our, our systems are built this way. We our, our system wants to move in the direction of less suffering. And just so fundamentally, our minds have misunderstood what that is. And so our agendas, our, our ideas about how to move towards less suffering kind of get in the way of our actual seeing what is more suffering and less suffering. And so this kind of mindfulness begins to point out to us. You know, it points out to us this for the hindrances. This is more suffering when the hindrances are present. In the fourth foundation in the Satipatthana Sutta for around the hindrances, we're encouraged to make the same exploration. What is the presence and absence of the hindrance like? We'll notice there that the presence of the hindrance is more stressful, more suffering. We'll notice the absence of the hindrance is less stressful, less suffering. And the mind will tend to move in the direction to let go of the suffering and stress. That's a natural tendency of our human beingness, which I think is a great thing. This capacity for this kind of non-reactive awareness will naturally move us in the direction of more ease and peace. If we are willing to, to just be witnessing. And so this is the enlightenment factor of mindfulness that's at work here, moving us towards ease and peace. It's a great thing. It's a, it's a great, great thing. So we become aware of the presence, the absence of um, I'm just talking about mindfulness for now, but it's, again, with all of these factors of awakening, we'll go through each of them. And at this point, I think we're just going to get through mindfulness and <laughs> and we'll leave the rest for next week's. Um, so the, the noticing the absence of the mindfulness factor of awakening, um, you know, there's a couple pieces to this that mindfulness as a factor of awakening that are worth kind of knowing or understanding. So I've talked about it as having that kind of non-reactive quality, the capacity to just meet experience as experience. There's wisdom in there. You know, there's the, the kind of uh, wisdom that understands the non-reactivity is actually supportive to move towards more ease and peace. We also can begin to get familiar with, you know, kind of more the difference. One of the places we can notice this shift or the difference between non-mindfulness and mindfulness is is in the, the very basic point of When mindfulness returns, when we become aware again after not having been aware. So that's, it's not so much that we're directly aware of, of the complete absence of mindfulness, but we're aware in retrospect, kind of mindfulness is here now. And it may not be the enlightenment factor of mindfulness. It may be more of an ordinary or, or the, the moving in the direction towards the enlightenment factor. 
We don't have to judge ourselves if it's not the enlightenment factor of mindfulness. If we're even in the terrain of being aware and know that we're aware, we're really in good shape. So that difference of knowing, oh, I'm aware again, versus I wasn't aware in the the, the moment before, there's a way in which that can really highlight, oh, this is what it's like to be mindful. This is what it's like to be aware of mindfulness. So that's a, a great moment in terms of this exploration around what it's like for mindfulness to be present. And in contrast, you know, in that moment when mindfulness returns, there can be a little bit of a memory or a recollection of uh, a moment before there was a kind of a confusion or a swirling or a, a kind of a lost in kind of cloudy or hazy feeling. And now there's a sense of, yes, I know where I am. I know what's going on. So there's a, a, can be a kind of a memory of what it was like to not be mindful in that moment. That can be helpful because that's a little bit in retrospect. It's a little bit of knowing what it's like not to be mindful at all. And, and we can, um, then kind of get familiar with that quality and it can begin to, it's kind of like we can begin to wake up into that earlier and earlier, that kind of swirly, fuzzy, hazy state. It's like, all right, swirly, hazy, fuzzy, that's going on right now. And we don't have to turn it into clarity in that moment. Just like, oh, right, aware of that. So there's the, you know, the kind of just the simple recognition of this is what it's like to be aware that I'm aware. That's that's a profound recognition in this exploration of being aware of the presence of mindfulness and a little bit of the absence of mindfulness. The absence of wise mindfulness, I think, is more kind of the the understanding of the mind moving more and more towards that non-reactive capacity. And it's, it's subtle. There's so many ways I've seen and, and saw oh, so many times on my retreat, the subtlety of the mind that just wants something to happen, that thinks it needs to have something happen. And then realizing, no, this is what is happening and there's awareness here. Just the, the, subtle, the subtlety of the mind's like movements to think it needs to do something. So a shift, I'll just give this, I mean, since it's, it arose in my mind here, a piece from my retreat, you know, the, there was a lot of um, kind of recognizing the mind that wasn't interested in phenomenon happening in the present moment. Just like, yeah, I've had enough of sense impressions. This <laughs> is like, there's a lot, you know, they're not, in, they, they don't end. It's like, yeah, the mind is like, just not interested. And there was the subtlest of kind of, you know, idea that I need to be interested. At least I need to be interested in the non-interest. That, that not being interested is a problem. And so I was working really hard to be interested in not being interested. And that was stressful. So there's, you know, kind of like at the very subtle levels of the mind, we can have ideas or views about what good mindfulness is. 
And at some point there was just this, oh, you know, what's happening is the mind is just not interested. It's not even interested, non-interest. That's what's going on. Non-interest. And there was this like, that was where it was like, oh, that's the landing in. Yeah, there's no problem here. It's That's just what's going on. You know, not being interested in experience doesn't mean that I'm not mindful of it. It's just that's what's going on. So the mind, in that moment, it kind of just shifted into that space of much more acceptance of this is the experience, of that enlightenment factor, more in the direction of that enlightenment factor. And so there's like layers and layers and layers of just subtle agendas, subtle wantings, leanings, aversions that are revealed in this process of moving towards the enlightenment factor of mindfulness. So knowing that mindfulness is, is present and, you know, a way, a way into to exploring the enlightenment factor side of it is to check in. Are there any agendas here? What are the views? What are the beliefs that are connected with mindfulness right now? So what's the presence of it? What's the absence of it? And then, and then there's the encouragement to understand how does the enlightenment factor of mindfulness come to be? So noticing the conditions that lead to its arising. This is the third exploration offered in the Satipatthana Sutta around mindfulness of these enlightenment factors. What supports it? For all of the enlightenment factors, again, with mindfulness, you know, what supports it is, you know, again, starting from this simple capacity we have to be aware and recognizing that that's kind of a place where it begins. And then including or having some wise view or wise understanding about what's helpful to do with that capacity to be aware. Wise attention. It's useful to attend to experience. And the wise attention encourages us to attend to experience what is suffering and what is ease or peace. To attend to experience from the perspective of Not from the perspective of this is what I need or what I want, but this is the arising experience in the present moment. And so the, the under, that understanding, you know, we may, the, the mindfulness itself may not be imbued with that understanding. It may not be quite, you know, uh, just naturally holding that understanding, but if we're remembering that, it's useful to attend to experience. Oh, there's there's aversion happening right now. Know that. And, and play with that. Oh, there's not interest happening right now. What's going on with that? So it the, the we start to see what supports this capacity to be mindful in this way, in this non-reactive way. And again, a lot of this comes to us by experimenting, by um, playing with mindfulness, by noticing the arising of mindfulness, and by cultivating the continuity of mindfulness. Mindfulness. 
the next piece is how does this capacity strengthen and mature? Where does it, the, the language in the sutta is something like, how does this factor of awakening come to fulfillment? Essentially become fully the factor of awakening. Where to me, that means it is more almost functioning on its own. The wisdom is imbuing the mindfulness. And it's like, we don't have to think about it so much anymore. We don't have to remember wise view or I should try to be with this experience as experience. It's just natural to the way mindfulness is working. That strengthens with the continuity of mindfulness. I think to the fulfillment of the capacity or the quality of wise mindfulness comes with the continuity of the mindfulness, the non-reactive mindfulness. And so this is one way, again, to explore the strengthening of it is to keep practicing. It comes to fulfillment through the continued effort to practice. So these four uh, questions or four explorations with each of the seven factors. What's the factor of awakening like? What is it like to be mindful? What is it? What is it like to to be mindful in this? Not just simply aware or not aware, but aware with this capacity for non-judgmental, non-reactive mindfulness, present or absent. What's it like for it not to be there? More stress in the system. That's, that's how we know there's work to do. When I was exploring that, disinterest, you know, not being interested. There was trying to figure out how to be aware of the disinterest and, and that trying to be aware of how, how can I be aware of this disinterest so that I'm not suffering? That was going on in the mind and it was painful. So that was that kind of that the painfulness of the experience is, is a clue to us. And sometimes we just have to sit with that. You know, it's like my mind kind of worked on all sides of this. So I'll try this way. I'll try this way to be aware of the disinterest. And finally, the mind just kind of, kind of said, you know, it's just what's here. And it just landed without trying to figure out how to be aware of it. It's like, it's already aware of this. I don't have to do anything to be aware of it. And then all of that, you know, how do I do this? What do I do? All of that, that kind of stress and agitation of mind fell away. And that kind of experience, that is like, that's the presence of the enlightenment factor of awakening. So the, the noticing of that, you know, kind of agitation is a clue for us that perhaps that mindfulness factor of awakening is not present. And yet we can't make it, we can't just flip it and say, oh, I'm going to have, I'm, I'm going to have the enlightenment factor of mindfulness present. That's what I was trying to do. 
you know, that's, that's what, and, and yeah, that was suffering. But there was the recognition of, oh yeah, this is, this is, there is stress here. So that is observing experience from this perspective. So what is the enlightenment factor like? What's it like when it's not present? What are the conditions that support its arising? And what are the conditions that support its maturation? And for each of the awakening factors, we're encouraged to notice this. And the great thing about this is that as we practice these factors are already coming along for the ride. And so the stronger the practice gets and the less there is of the reactivity, the more the hindrances begin to diminish, the more there's the possibility of actually seeing these factors of awakening and turning our attention or, or becoming aware that they are there. We don't necessarily have to di- or say, I'm going to direct the attention to this. But sometimes it takes a little bit of a reminder. Oh, yeah, these are these need to be attended to also. Because we can have that tendency to just think, oh, I've arrived. The practice is easy right now. And, and just kind of hum along in that space without being interested in what is this experience of the humming along? What is it? to have energy? What is it to have delight and joy? What is it to have tranquility, concentration, and balance of mind? 